a beautiful hymn that is, eh? I surrender. Who loves to pray? Do you love to pray? That's good. You know, prayer, prayer is the simplest thing in the world, isn't it? Like, a two-year-old can pray, right? They, they can pray before they know how to walk sometimes, how to talk. I mean, a baby, I think, can pray connected to God. And yet, prayer also is the most complex thing in the world at the same time, isn't it? How many of you would say that you're really, really good at prayer? I'm going to pass the mic over if anybody puts their hands up, right? Because prayer is, is both the simplest thing in the world and the most complicated thing in the world. It's simple because a child can pray. When our children were younger, we used to go up and, and pray with them, and they would pray before they went to sleep at night. But it's complicated because there's not a, a formula in prayer as such, is there? There's, it, it's so diverse, and it's so hard to get a handle on it. And it's not surprising, therefore, that the disciples in Luke 11, verse 1, asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. They didn't ask Jesus, how do we walk on water? I mean, that'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? I wouldn't mind that. Learn how to do the old walk on the water bit. That would be kind of cool. Water into wine. Some of you would think that would be even better. They didn't ask Jesus, show us how to raise the dead. That would be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? Could do the uh, funeral directors out of business. I didn't ask any of those questions, and those are the kind of questions that we think, you know what, those are the kind of things would be really cool if Jesus said, well, you just do this. But they never asked them that. How, how do we become a good disciple? They didn't ask that. They asked them one question. Jesus, teach us how to pray. Because I think when they looked at Jesus... And Jesus' prayer life, and they looked at themselves and their prayer life, they saw a big gap between the two. They saw a massive difference between themselves and Jesus. And they realized that prayer was fundamental to everything else. If they could only learn how to pray like Jesus, then maybe they could do all the other things as well. Because it seemed like Jesus' prayers were so different to their prayers. And as we know, Jesus answered that question with what we call the Lord's Prayer. Right? He said, pray like this. Now, he never said, pray this prayer. He said, this is a pattern that you need to learn. I don't know where we got into the kind of laziness of just repeat after me. Jesus didn't say that. He didn't say, well, you want to know how to pray? Repeat after me. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He didn't say that. He said, I'm going to give you a pattern so that you can learn how to pray like I pray. 
And over the next number of weeks, we're going to look in detail at the Lord's Prayer and discover the pattern of why Jesus said certain things. In Luke's gospel, he just dives straight into the prayer. But in Matthew's gospel that we're going to look at today, before Jesus answers the question, he gives them certain caveats, if you like, certain things that we need to think about before we learn how to pray. He basically says, let me tell you first the things that you shouldn't do. If you do these things, they're going to limit the kind of power and the effectiveness of your prayers. And that's what we're going to look at today. So if you've got Bibles, turn to Matthew. Let's see if this will oh, turn it on. Oh, there we go. Matthew 6. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount, and he gives these instructions. He says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Can you move it forward for me? Is that all right? Thank you. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Amen. The first thing he says, and he repeats it over and over again, is when you pray. Can we have the next screen, please? Okay, next one. When you pray. He says, when. When. It's not if. Not on the occasions that you happen to remember. Not when you get into a crisis. We all pray really well in crisis moments, don't we? That's when prayer becomes really real. But he says, when you pray. When you pray, three times he says it, five, six, and seven. When you pray, when you pray, when you pray. See, for Jesus, prayer was an established pattern in his life. That's why in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, it says pray continually. Pray all the time. Don't just have your set half an hour in the morning or in the evening, depending if you're a morning person or a night person. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do my daily prayers. I mean, as good as that is. But the Bible says we need to be praying all the time. Jesus was constantly talking to his Father in everything he did. It's like this. You wake up in the morning. You go, morning, Lord. Thank you for a good night's sleep. Lord, thank you that it's not exactly the right time. I can squeeze another five minutes and I'm just going to roll over. And have some more time in bed because this pillow is just heavenly. Lord, it's five more minutes has passed and I think I, I need to get up, but oh, just another minute. Lord, I'm going to get up now. I'm going to go and have a wash and a shower. Lord, I'm going to do breakfast now. Come with me to breakfast. Lord, I need to go to work now and I'm going to need your help at work. Then at work, Lord, we need to do this, and there's this that has to be done. Or I've got this on my agenda today, and Lord, 
I could really use your company as I walk through the day. And then the whole time you're thinking to yourself, Lord, 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 Lord. Jesus spoke to his father, yes, at special moments where he got off on his own, but he was talking all the time. Everything Jesus did was out of a response to what his father had told him to do. How? Because he was constantly listening to the voice of his father. Every moment of every day is an opportunity to be with God and to communicate, pray continually. Every moment. And we need to develop lives that, that have that constant communication with God. You're on the bus, you can be praying. You're on the train, you can be praying. You're doing the washing up, you can be praying. You're at work and it's really busy, you're praying. You just know that God is there with you because he's promised, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Imagine if I went to work with Enika. Right? And I'm just there shadowing. I'm not saying much. I'm just because I'm not a nurse and it would be a disaster if I ever thought I would be. But I'm there. Imagine if I'm just there with her all day long and she doesn't say a word to me. I'll give you half an hour in the morning. But I'm there right with her all day long. I'm just standing there next to her, shadowing her the whole day. Or then I might, I might pray to you before I go to bed. I'll talk to you then. Kind of crazy, right? We'd just be communicating all day long. There'll be times when I'm silent, when I'm focusing on things, but then, then she'd say something to me and I'd say something to her and we'd just keep on communicating. Do, do, you, do you go out with friends and not talk to them the whole time? You think, what kind of a friend is that? Let's go into London, go to a show together or, or go out for dinner and we'll just... All right? All right. And then you just walk. And then you sit down and you have dinner in silence. And then you, walk back again. But we do the same with God, right? How many of us during the day, just God's there shadowing us. He's following you around, but you're just, you're just ignoring him all the time. Just pretending he's not there. And then we come on Sunday, oh Lord, come on, Lord. And Lord's going, I was with you all week. Where were you? You see, Jesus had the when all the time. Second thing is you. When you pray. He's speaking to his disciples, right? Who does God listen to? Everybody? The Bible doesn't say that. In fact, the Bible says the opposite. The Bible says that God specifically doesn't listen to certain people. In Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many of you will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform merry miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers not listening John 9 31 says this let me whip it over John 9 31 we know that God does not listen to sinners 
He listens to the godly man who does his will. 1 Peter 3:12, which quotes Psalm 34, says this. He says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You see, the Lord doesn't listen to everybody. The Lord listens to those who are walking with him and who recognize him. And so Jesus said to his disciples, I'm talking to you guys. I'm not talking to everybody else. Because there are people that God doesn't listen to until they get their heart right first. Thirdly, he says, when you pray. What is prayer? Well, I love the definition. It says relational communication with God. Prayer is about that relationship and about communication with God. It's not listening or speaking to other people. That's not prayer. It's about when we focus our hearts, our attention, our minds on God. God has to be the audience. When you pray, when you pray, when you pray, he says. But he also goes on and describes what this prayer needs to be like or what it mustn't be like. He says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites because they love to stand on the, in the synagogues or on street corners to be seen by people and their reward has been given in full. You see, prayer has to be, the next one please, it's got to reveal who you truly are. Do you know what a hypocrite is? Hypocrite comes from the word that means to wear a mask. You remember in the old days where they used to, uh, where they used to do uh, plays and so on? And you used to have those little masks on sticks. Remember that? Some of you might have been to those kind of fancy dress parties where you have those. Right? And that's literally what a hypocrite is. It's someone who keeps changing the mask. Right? But really what it means, it means it's not really them. They're in character. It's not, you don't see the real them, right? That you hide behind your mask. And we do that all the time. We wear masks. We put masks on when we come to church. There's a certain way that we should behave in church after all. And we give the eyeball to those that don't do that, right? Try and get them into line because church is church. You know, if, if I was to talk to Alan over there, he was at Wealdstone yesterday, poor fellow, needs prayer. They're not doing so great this year. Now, I bet his behavior at Wealdstone would not be the same as his behavior in church. Right? Nor would most of the people at Wealdstone. Stress has a funny way of making the inner self come out, right? How many of you have secretly sworn at people who have cut you up in their car or, or done something in your life? Now, you wouldn't use that language in church. Maybe you would. But we wear these masks, right? And Jesus says, you know what, prayer, you can't be like hypocrites. You can't put on a mask. You can't hide the real you. 
so that that's what other people see. You see, he's saying really that honesty and openness is critical to really praying. We won't turn there, but do you remember in Luke 18, the story of the, the, uh, the Pharisee and the tax collector, and the tax collector doesn't even approach the throne of God and, and says, oh, I'm a sinner, Lord, forgive me, and pours his heart out, and the tax collector comes in and stands up and says, I thank God I'm not like all of those sinners over there. And Jesus says, which one is the one that goes home righteous? It's the tax collector because his inner self, he's just being honest and open. That's what I love about the Psalms, don't you? They're really honest. There's bits of the Psalms we'd love to just rip out because they're not nice. They're not Christian, are they? You know what I mean? Oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar, right? Psalm 139. And then there's a couple of verses at the end. I don't, know what, I don't know what David was thinking at that moment. Lord, beat up all my enemies. Kill them off. Get rid of them. Oh, Lord, you're fantastic. Right? And we're going like, what is that? You've just ruined a perfectly decent psalm. With that just outpouring but David's honest right he just pours out his heart to God and he's saying Lord this is me I both on one hand Lord you're just amazing and I honor you and I worship you and on the other hand Lord I need your help because I'm supposed to be looking after this nation and all these problems are coming and and I'm trying to be the person you want me to be but it's tough the inner you must be revealed. Jesus was the greatest one at revealing himself to others. Here he is, a rabbi, weeping over Jerusalem, weeping at the tomb of Lazarus. He was just open and honest. The next thing we have to do is make sure that we pray with focus. Verse 6. He says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What he's really saying here is that we need to pray with a focus. Pray without distraction. Your true faith, your true relationship with God is seen when you're alone. Now, he's not saying you never pray publicly. But he's saying the real you is when you're all on your own. I can stand up here every week, produce a sermon. I'm that good, right? Humble, but that good. It's, it's not hard for me to produce a sermon. And there are many colleagues that I have that the only time they read their Bible is in getting ready for Sunday. But the real me is not whether I can deliver a sermon or not. It's whether I'm reading on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It's not whether I can pray in front of you and make it sound beautiful. It's whether I'm on my knees during the week and you never see it. The real me is when I'm in that secret place, when I'm with Jesus. And it's just me and Jesus. And he's saying, don't, don't come in waltzing in on a Sunday and astound everybody with your cleverness. 
And they're all thinking, man, he's a real man of God and he's this, that and the other, when actually there's nothing happening in the week. He says, Jesus said, I'm not fooled by that. I want to, I, I meet with you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, so that I can flow through you on Sunday. And if the Monday to Saturday is not happening, the flow on Sunday won't happen either. Because God doesn't just turn up for the big occasion. He says, I want to see you. That's where I see you, in the secret place. When you're all alone and you're not trying to impress anybody and nobody will ever know whether you spent five minutes or five hours except him. He says, that's, that's where I'm going to focus. That's, that's what it's all about. That's the important thing. That's what God looks at. The sixth thing he says is pray with meaning. He says in verse 7, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Babble means without thinking. You know, so often we, we say things without thinking. How many times do we sing particularly our favorite hymns without even reading the words? They just come out, especially if the music's brilliant, right? We don't, we don't stop and think and really engage with it. We, we just kind of, oh, I like this one. I'll sing this. And it just comes out. How many times have we said the Lord's Prayer without really thinking about what it's saying? Probably most of the time. They say the Lord's Prayer. Oh, I know that one. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we just, we know it, right? Let's say the grace together, the grace of your Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, fellowship of the Spirit, with you, I have more. Amen. What does it mean? Oh, I don't know. What does the Lord's Prayer really mean? I'll guarantee that neither you or I really know. We think we might know because we've said it so often. But we've said it so often so we stop engaging with really what it's saying. I think God's going to teach us loads, us loads, as we just spend time looking at the Lord's Prayer. We need to pray with our heads, pray thinking, read the Bible thinking. I love Bible studies right now because I just sit there and I go, what does that really mean? What does that really mean? And when I look at the scriptures for myself and with others, I just kind of like, okay, let me stop. Let me stop. What, what is it really trying to say? And, and then the Spirit of God can start teaching us things when we engage. You see, it's not words or actions or cleverness or miracles. They don't impress God. You know what impresses God? Mary impresses God. Someone who wants to spend time with Jesus. If you want to impress God, spend time with him. Pray without ceasing. 
If, if you want to grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, just spend time with him. That's what you do in every relationship, isn't it? You remember those days when you first fell in love? Long time ago in a land far, far away. You remember what happened? Where you became obnoxious to everybody else because you only had eyes for one person. And you woke up thinking about them. You spent the day thinking about them. If you're young enough to have text availability, you were texting them all day when you should have been doing 20 million other things. Then you would be phoning them all the time. How are you doing? Are you okay? Yes, you just asked me that two minutes ago. Oh, but two minutes is a long time. Right? And then you go to bed thinking about them. And everybody else is going, oh, we've lost another person. Useless. But that's love, right? And it's the same with Jesus. Love the Lord your God. You know the next bit? You know it. Pray meaningfully. Use your head. Stop and ponder and think and reflect. And lastly, he says, pray with humility and expectation. Verse 8, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. You know, to come and ask someone for something requires a certain humility, right? It means I need help. Ask, and you will receive. When we seek something, we have an expectation. It's an action to go seek something. We have an expectation. Seek and you will find. When you lose your keys, you go seeking around for your keys, but you go with an expectation that somewhere around you're going to find them, right? There's an expectation. Come to God with that expectation. And knock, he says, and the door will be opened. Knock. Keep on repeating. You know, just before the service came, started today, we were over setting up. Somebody came to the door, rang the bell. I was in the middle of setting up some stuff in the office, printing some stuff off. I didn't come to the door quick enough. So what do you think they did? Did they just turn around and go away? No, they just kept pushing the button. Right? That's knocking. You don't just do it once and then go, oh, I'm not in. Right, let me go. Nope. They carried on doing it. Because... And God says this. He says, every time you ask, you receive, you knock, the door's going to be opened. You seek, you find. And then he goes on and he talks about fish and bread, doesn't he? If you ask, if your son asks you for a fish, will you give him a snake? If you ask for bread, will you give him a stone? Fish and bread, they were the ordinary things of life, right? Remember the little boy that had his fishes and his loaves of bread and Jesus multiplied it? Staple food. He's saying, ask God for the ordinary things of life. Like I said, you pray to God, you talk to God in the ordinary stuff of life. When you're going to get up, how hard you find it to get up. When you wake up in the morning, as you go through your day, every moment of the day, Lord, let me just share it with you. Because when you get used to sharing Jesus Christ in the ordinary, 
then God turns up when you need the extraordinary. If you never get to the habit of sharing Jesus in the ordinary, you know what happens when the extraordinary comes? You don't know where to look. Lord, I need you. It's a crisis. Oh, God, please come and help. Please, 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 please. I'll make some deals with you, as if that's going to work. Lord, I, I promise I'll be in church every Sunday, and I'll pray every day, and I'll read my Bible every day. And the Lord's going, really? Then why haven't you been doing it up to now? Pray with that humility. The Father knows. With, with an expectation of what Jesus can do in your life when you pray. You know, prayer is not easy. It's not easy because of this. Next screen, please. Next one. This was the verse we put on our covenant cards this year. I don't know if you read it or you just took the card home. Ephesians 6.12 says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, after the, the uh, series on the Lord's Prayer, we're going to start looking at what that really means. But then it talks about the armor of God. But we have an enemy that wants to destroy your prayer life. Because if the enemy can get in and distract you and pull you away and stop you from praying, then you are a defeated Christian. You will not have the power of God and the presence of God and the authority of God and, and everything that the Lord's Prayer talks about in your life if the enemy can pull you away from prayer. Prayer and reading the Bible are the two keys. God's Word Learn it, digest it, understand it, but prayer, prayer, if we can be people of prayer, then God works through that through to bring transformation and change. But a prayer is not easy because we have an enemy that constantly tries to distract you. How many times have you been and when you're going to pray with someone else, it happens to me all the time. Let's pray about something, and someone else comes, and the phone will ring, the doorbell will go, something else will happen, TV will blow up, something will happen to distract you from it, to stop you doing it, because the enemy hates it when believers pray, when they connect. You know the beautiful thing? Next verse. Romans 8, 26 says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. 1 John 4, 4 says, He that's in us is greater than he that's in the world. You have an enemy that wants to stop you praying but you have the Spirit of God that is stronger than the enemy. If you'll allow, if you pray, I surrender all, and allow the Spirit of God to come in, then you find that the enemy can do nothing. Distractions may come, 
but you'll start seeing the power of prayer in your life. It's not surprising, is it, that the disciples said to Jesus, teach us to pray. And we're going to pray that same prayer right now. That as we look at the Lord's Prayer over the next weeks, Lord, we ask that you would teach us to pray. Lord, not just not fancy words, not, not, but pray like you prayed. Pray so that the power of God will be in us. Pray so that the peace of God will come upon us and flow through us. Pray so that we might be your disciples, your apostles. Pray so that we would have such a connection to your Father, our Father, that we would hear his voice. Lord, teach us how to pray, how to communicate with the Father like Jesus. For then when Jesus said, You'll do even greater things than I have done. That just blows our mind, but that it's not a lie. When we're connected to you, fruit, spiritual fruit, starts pouring out of us. So Jesus, we come to you today like the disciples came, and we pray. Teach us to pray. Graceful's going to play for a few moments, and as he plays, why don't you talk to your Father in heaven? You, you can just say those words, teach us to pray, and mean nothing. Or you can really pray that and say, Lord, I'm hungry for you. I, I want to know how to pray like Jesus. Why don't you ask him right now, today? Lord, as we go through this series, teach me how to pray like Jesus. I long for that in my life. see, if, if you really pray, if you really surrender, the Lord will see what you're doing right now in secret, what you're doing inside of yourself, and will come and respond.
Father, accept these cries from our heart. For we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.